20 degrees out there. It isn't bad. Did you get that? With the negative, yes. You know, I thought about, you know, was considering canceling, but you know what? We went by, we, were, we had a graduation party. We went by Mel's there on Norfolk Avenue, the liquor place. And there, it was, there are all kinds of people there. So I thought you could be here for living water today, the right kind. Amen? And you know, we, we should be a hearty people. We're Nebraskans. We should be tough. And I don't want, you know, a lot of our older people, I don't want them on the road if, it, you know, if it's slick. And, but use common sense. And please don't call Julie and bother her whether we're having services. There's no need for that. It's called radio station. What's your station? U- US 92. And that other one, K, what is it? X 106 Kicks? Get on or get online and, and we'll send you a, an email. We're, we're capable. Of do, but don't call her anymore and ask if we're having service. There's no need for that. Amen. 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 Now, this Wednesday, we're going to have a short practice for our Christmas program. So, kids, if you're singing, we need to be here. Trumpet players. Amen. I'm looking forward to that because I used to play that instrument. That's a, that's a good one. And uh, so Wednesday night, and then when is our Christmas Eve service? Saturday at what time? Five o'clock. And it won't be more than an hour, and we'll get you out of here for your family functions. And uh, so, and then remember, everything we won't have service on Sunday. All right? Got that? And uh, but the following Sunday is New Year's, and so we will be praying for hangovers. We have a special line for just lighten up. We will have service that day. We're going to have communion. And it will not be a long service either because I know there's a lot of family functions. Amen? Is there anything else? We've been, this will be the last message on the goodness of God. And everyone said, what? This is number 14. 14 messages I've ministered on what? God's goodness. He is a good God. Amen? And uh, so we're going to close today with, with a message, and I'm going to review a little bit here, and then, then I want to leave you with something that I want you to remember in this coming new year. So we said that, you know, Pastor Hank, uh, the prophet, the first year said, let it be known that those who decree, speak, and look for my goodness will live swimming in my rivers of blessings and increase. You will not be touched. You'll not be removed from your place. I'm crowning you with my goodness and shutting you in and lifting you up. He crowns our year with, how many of you had a good year? How many of you were blessed in some way, spiritually, physically, financially, relationally, whatever? Then we should be thankful. We should be the most thankful people on the face of the earth. All right? So uh, today, uh, and we said that our purpose for this whole series was to understand the believer's responsibility in regards to experiencing God's goodness, but then also sharing it.
sharing it with others. And, uh, you know, there's got to be some way. People, usually people come out of the woodwork at Christmas and they get this little warm, fuzzy feeling and they think they need to be good. They need to share. They need to give. But it should be that way all year round. We went into Walmart. How many of you know the Salvation Army has bell ringers? And I'll tell you what, if I went by some of them bell ringers and the way they looked and acted, I don't give to people that look like that and act like that. Really happy. But let me tell you something. Went to Walmart one day. She went to Walmart one day. There's these two young girls. They had a boom box. How many of you saw them? Dancing. And they were happy. Kathy says she normally doesn't give. Well, she gives, but I mean, but she did. Why? Because they were having fun. They were happy. They were engaged with the people that were coming in the door. You know, we should be like that with, with God. Whether we get a, you know, anything in our bucket or not. We should be happy. Now, let me ask you this question because I asked this a couple times. Are you quick to receive God's goodness or slow to demonstrate it to others? Oh, yeah, God's good to me. Well, what have you done to bless someone else? Well, I put a quarter in the bucket. Those Salvation Army people. Whoopie-doo. We, we should be, really Christians should be the, the biggest givers on the face of the earth. And we're talking about tithing, and I understand that. But you know, there's another thing beyond tithing, and that's giving. Yes, God expects and commands us to give 10%, but then if you want to be blessed in the days ahead, you need to learn how to give because you give and it shall be given back to you. Well, I need finances. I need money. Well, then start giving. Start planting seeds for your future. Amen? So are you good or quick to receive God's goodness and slow to demonstrate it to others? Now, we, we define goodness as to be well, to be pleasing, to act well. But I wanted you to see today, because we're going to concentrate on this, goodness really means to be good to others. Say, this, this is a wonderful message for this time of year. To do good to others. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, okay? And we said he just didn't heal people, but he had a, a treasure. His name was Judas. And money was given to the poor, all right? The Message Bible in Hebrews 13 says, make sure you don't take things for granted, and go slack in working for the common good. Share what you have with others. God takes particular pleasure in acts of worship, a different kind of sacrifice that takes place in kitchen and workplace and on the streets. Philippians chapter 2 in the Message Bible, verse 4 says, Put yourself aside. Help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Sometimes it's hard to forget ourselves. 
Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. And that means goodness in the sense of being good to someone else. And then Psalms 41, blessed is he who considers the poor, the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. Any, anybody ever get in trouble? You want to be delivered from trouble? It says, the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him, keep him alive, and he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. So right there is some motivation, scriptural motivation for you and I to give of ourselves, to do good. All right, now, look at Psalm 23. Psalm 23. I could quote this. Well, I'm gonna, I want you to look at it. Because this is what I want you to, to, to think about today and for the remainder of this year and for this coming new year. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This just, we always, always think about this as, we're at where? Funerals. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Not, now this is what you need to see. Not some of the days. Just the days when you feel good. But all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy. Now we could probably spend 14 more messages going on about this. And I'll never forget Dick Mills. And in fact, they quoted him in the devotional. If you were reading the devotional, I looked at that and they quoted him. We knew this man, he was prophetic, he, he would stand here and have a word for you, and we knew him at the latter part of his life, and he was, what, in the eighty, late 80s, but what a bless, blessing he was to the body of Christ. But he always talked about twins in the scripture. If you'll go through and find words like goodness and mercy... There are a, a number of others like that. But I look at goodness and mercy as twins. And I do not think that you can operate in the goodness of God without understanding the mercy of God. Because they go together. Say goodness and mercy. What's it going to do the rest of your life? Follow you. Now goodness we define... It means to act well, to do good to others, to, mean, to be gracious, to be pleasant and sweet. And it also implies prosperity and wealth. But this is why I want to concentrate on the word mercy today. And that's a Hebrew word, C-H-E-S-E-D. And it means kindness. It means unfailing love. Everyone say that. Unfailing love. Tenderness, faithfulness. Chesed is the unfailing, steadfast. Now listen, this is important. What kind of love? Covenant love. Everyone say covenant love. Covenant love of God. Co See, we do not, we think we understand the love, but you put the word covenant in front of it and we're a little confused because American people do not understand covenant. 
There was a man years ago named Livingston in Africa, and he'd go through Africa and explore and come across tribes, and he would cut covenant with the natives. They'd cut covenant. They'd mingle their blood. He was well-respected, and you'd hear his name mentioned, and, and the heathen tribes would, you know, be alert. And what well, He'd cut covenant. And that is, a, that is such a deep word, but I want you to understand this today because this will help you. Mercy is the unfailing, steadfast covenant love of God. Now look at Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. This is where God is, refers to his people as a chosen people. Let's look at verse 6. This is, this is really good. Verse 6, it says, For you are holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. Are you a chosen one? Yes. A special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now look at verse 9. It says, therefore know that the Lord your God, he is the faithful God who keeps covenant and what? Mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face and destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment, the statutes, the judgments, which I command you today to observe them. Verse 8 says, but because the Lord, what? Loves you. Loves you. God's covenant of love. Now, listen to this statement I found, and I want to read it to you. It says, God's covenant of love stems from his own love for his people. Based on his character and embodied in his covenant. It does not stem from the numerical greatness of the people or any virtue of theirs. So really, it has nothing to do with you or I or the people or this nation of Israel. But his love stems from the fact that he is love. Ephesians 2, you know the scripture, by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Can you earn your salvation? No. It's a gift. Lamentations chapter 3, let me read it to you, verse 22. It says, though the Lord's mercies we... Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. How many of you and I could be burnt toast by now? (laughs) Yes, we could. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. His compassions, what? They don't fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, I've got this in my Bible. Let me read it to you. It says, God is love, not just loving, but love. 
Love is not a description of God. It is the very essence of God. His quality of love can be understood as the unselfish giving of oneself for the highest good of another. Everyone say give. It is not capricious, sentimental, or mere romanticism, but steadfast choice to be. Now listen, not self-centered, but other-centered. So God's love is what kind of centered? Other-centered. Divine love is multifaceted, the diamond of God's nature. The New Testament understanding of love is shaded by such Old Testament meanings as here, what I just read, where God declares his love for his people. Two Hebrew words appear, one signifying God's never-ending choice to will our highest good, the other portraying his passionate affection for us. Such is the divine love we find in knowing God. You and I must learn to have confidence in his steadfast love and mercy. See, I'm talking about mercy because, yeah, goodness and mercy, but you need a little uh, teaching on mercy today. We must learn to have confidence in his steadfast love and mercy that continually, continually, say continually, continually flows to you and I even when we don't deserve it. Anyone here screw up this week? Don't want to maybe said something, maybe thought something? Maybe an action, maybe something you should have done and didn't do it. There's sins of omission and sins of commission. Well, you, you want to know something? Even though you and I screwed up, still loves us. His mercies are new every day for you and I. But we have a hard time with this brain thinking that God would still love us. Maybe we had a parent that didn't love us but always reprimanded us and maybe was abusive to us. But God's love and mercy is new every day. Even when we don't feel it. (laughs) Christians, carnal Christians especially, are controlled by their feelings. I just don't feel loved by God. I just don't feel... Whenever you hear someone use the word feel, a red flag should go up. Because they're not in faith. Feeling has to do with the five physical senses. Has nothing to do with love and mercy. You and I can't understand God's love through our our feelings. You just can't comprehend God, if, if you go by feelings all the time. I have my sister, and her big thing is, oh, it gave me goosebumps. And my, my boys are always with their aunt, you know. Oh, it gives me, they hear, she hears something that just, you know, gives me goosebumps, Hallmark card. Oh, it gave me goosebumps. There's too many goosebumpy Christians out there. They're no good on the front lines because they're just moved by how they feel. One day they're up and they're singing the praises of God and they, oh, goodness and mercy's following me. One day they're down, they don't feel good or somebody looked at them cross-eyed and they're ready to fall on the knife. It's the truth. 
the truth. Because we're too controlled by our feelings. Oh, pastor, but you're going to hurt my feelings. Even me. My feelings can be hurt. I'm a sensitive kind of guy. You don't know that, do you? I am. We all get our feelings hurt, don't we? How many of your feelings ever been hurt? God must not love me anymore. It's because we don't understand God. The true essence, the true nature of our God. He is a God of love. How many of us are truly concerned that no matter what occurs in our lives, that we are still being followed by goodness and mercy? See, it's easy to sing God's praises when you feel good. I start back to the gym. Here again, I sit there and I watch all these people strut around. My son's not here. He's one of them. He struts around. I caught him. I was sitting there. You know, he didn't speak to me when we were at the gym. He just... He just ignores his dad. One day he said, Dad, don't wear that when you come to the gym. Dad this, Dad that. No, I don't care. I'm at the I'm fifty nine years old and at this point in my life I don't care. But I was sitting there resting between sets and I look and there he is in front of that big mirror. No, don't say anything to him. In front of that big mirror, Carl. Gunner's done it too many times. looking <laughs> doing this you know <laughs> I wanted to get up and go and stand by him and go <laughs> he would have he would have literally just probably left the building but there's some days you feel pumped up and you feel like you look good and everything's happy you're happy And then there are days you're not. Anybody with me on that? There's some days you don't feel like you've even been saved. It's easy to sing God's praises about his goodness and mercy when you feel good, when you're getting along with your mate. No, I won't look at anybody this. When you're getting along with your mate. And there's some days... You don't get along with your mate. Oh, don't get pompous on me and religious. There are some days you fight. I get, I know the look. Do you ever get the look? You know? Now I just leave the building. Go somewhere. Come to my office. We're all, we're, I can remember when we were first married. I remember the first time she started coming to the church I was going to, and 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 I thought, well, I really believe this is, this is what I did. I walked to her apartment, knocked on the door, and I said, can I come in? She said, yeah. I, I looked at her, and I said, I think I'm falling in love with you, and I think we should get married. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we were all happy and I forgot to call her dad and ask permission. And I, that didn't go over good. 
But since that time when we're all fuzzy and feeling good and in love, you ever see these young people and they're just in love? What'd she do? What, did she scratch you or something? Jeez, wrestling. Okay, blame it on that. But there's some days you don't feel, you look at each other, and I know she looks at me and she thought, why did I marry him? Why did I marry her? Listen, it goes, the thoughts go through your head, but deep down, you're going to stick, stick with her. Stick with him. Good times and bad. What happens when you lose your job, your health, your marriage, and your relationship? Now listen, this is important. The key is knowing that God's motivation for following you with goodness and mercy, even in the dark times, even when the times you don't think you deserve it, even in the times when you don't feel like you're being loved by him, it's his own unconditional love. Unconditional love. Unconditional love. Everyone say it. Unconditional love. That means you can screw up. You can backslide. You can do some terrible things. But it doesn't stop the fact that God still loves you and I. Yeah, we need to repent and we need to be sorry for our sin. But God still loves us. His arms are open wide to us. Now, this is the question here, and I'm getting done here. What's, what's following you and I? Goodness and mercy. So if you're going to be operating and doing good things, you're going to be a what kind of person? A merciful, compassionate person. If God's goodness and mercy is following you, then those people you come in contact with through the, through the course of a day will experience it also. If you're, you and I are truly operating in the goodness of God, because we talked about being the goodness of God is acting, doing something good to others. If you're operating in the goodness of God and the mercy of God, then those people you come in contact with at school or at work or at Walmarts or whatever. Walmarts, you call it Walmarts. See, now I'm starting to call it Walmarts. Why do you call it Walmarts? Larry the Cable Guy. Okay. Now I understand. I've been wondering, why do you call it Walmarts? But see, people are going to come in contact with you. You're going to touch, whether you're driving through McDonald's, I know those people behind. Some I like and some I don't. Some I'd love to just slip them a $100 bill. Some I'd like to reach through the window and grab them by the throat. But... If you're going to come in contact with people during the course of your day, then you're going to display some goodness and mercy. In other words, you're going to and I'm going to leave behind something that will benefit and bless others. Will your actions today cause others to remember you or forget you tomorrow? Do I only display, ask yourself this question, do I only display goodness and mercy to those who treat me the same way? In other words, you're good to people that are good to you. But what, are, what about the people that are unthankful to you? Amen? See, I, I am... 
a connoisseur of pastry. Fine pastry. Today I went to Delight Donut. It was delightful. I didn't think they'd be open. And I walk in and there wasn't one person in front of me. And they look at me like this. Their English is fair. They just kind of look at me and smile because he knows what I want. And he always, when I walk in, I might be three people back. He opens the sack and puts the donut in and looks at me. I got him trained. But you want to know why they're, they're, they're glad to see me? They don't know who I am. I think they're Buddhists. I'm pretty sure they're Buddhists. I don't believe they're Christians. They're Buddhists. It's all right because they got a little fat Buddha sitting there on the counter. You been in there? You ever seen those people, those two, that couple? They're amazing. So industrious. They work so hard. Work, work, work. I could tell them, I thought, I'd have some ideas that maybe would help them, but I'm not going to say anything because they like me. I want to keep it that way. But let me tell you something. Do you know why they like me, Ron Elbin? Because I give them a dollar bill for the donut. And I don't take time to go to the cash register. They keep the change every time. And one day I went in there for a donut that's, I think it's 79, 89 cents. And I gave him a dollar tip. Oh, pastor. My wife didn't even know that. She probably isn't too happy with me. But it's all right. I'll just leave the building. (laughs) They know me. She and the boys know me. I'm dangerous. If I was a multimillionaire, I'd be dangerous. But they're happy to see me. They take time and talk to me. And you know what got them to do that? Money. It's that simple. Kathy says, well, you don't really need to tip them. They probably got more money than we do. Yeah, they probably do. And they live in a nice house. I checked up. I got to know these people sell me donuts. But they smile. She used to be kind of grumpy. She smiles. And it's because that guy tips every time. I was thinking about giving them a Christmas card, but they don't celebrate Christmas. I don't know. I'd get a card with a Buddha on it maybe and give it to them. Do I leave behind peace or strife, forgiveness or bitterness? Joy or frustration, love or resentment, hope or despair, faith or doubt. The author of this book says, There remains in my own mind boyhood recollections of the first stories I was told about Jesus Christ as a man amongst us. His life was summed up in the simple, terse, but deeply profound statement he went about doing good. It was as though this was the loftiest, noblest, most important thing on which he could possibly spend his few short years. But I also was deeply impressed by the fact that his good and kindly acts were also commingled with mercy. Where so often other human beings were rude and harsh and vindictive with one another. I've done that before, have you? You don't need to answer. I'll I'll fess up. His compassion and tenderness was always apparent. Even the most flagrant sinners found forgiveness with Christ, whereas at the hands of their fellow men they knew only condemnation, censor, 
censure, and cruel criticism. And again, I have to ask myself, is this my attitude to other people? Do I sit up on my pedestal of self-pride and look with contempt upon my contemporaries? Or do I get down and identify myself with them in their dilemma and there extend a small measure of the goodness and mercy given to me by my master? Do I see sinners with the compassion of Christ or with the critical eye of censor? Am I willing to overlook faults and weakness in others and extend forgiveness as God has forgiven me and my failings? The only real practical measure of my appreciation for the goodness and mercy of God to me is the extent to which I am in turn prepared to show goodness and mercy to others. If I'm unable to forgive and extend friendship to fallen men and women, then it is quite certain I know little or nothing in a practical sense of Christ's forgiveness and mercy to me. It is this lack of love among Christians which today makes the church an insipid, lukewarm institution. People come to find affection and are turned off by our lack of warmth and sincerity. But the man or woman, now listen, who knows firsthand about the goodness and mercy of God in his own or his own his or her own life will be warm and affection with goodness and mercy to others. This is to be a benefit to them, but equally important, it is to be a blessing to God. See, when you're good to others, you're good to Him. I'll leave you with this last thought. Because as I was preparing this, these words came to me. Really, sincerely, this is what I... I was sitting at my desk and these words came to me, go and do likewise. And I knew where it was from. How many of you remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? I'm not going to read it to you. But at the end of this parable, in verse 37, we had three different people, the Levite and the priest and the Samaritan, who, who showed mercy and goodness. Samaritan. And Jesus said, so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the reply, he said, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So what am I saying to you today, people? Go and do likewise. Show some mercy with your coworkers, with your mate, with your kids. Show some goodness. Amen. Let's stand to our feet today. And everyone said, no, this is what you, everyone said the end of the, of the series on goodness.